Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 771 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Katie. She is the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes who is more newly diagnosed. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, all I'm asking you to do is go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and take the survey. I'm actually asking you to complete the survey, but that's nitpicking, really. Take the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Do something good for yourself, for people living with type 1 diabetes, and for the podcast. If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, it begins at episode 210 in your podcast player, but if you want a whole list of them, you can find those episodes listed out on juiceboxpodcast.com, diabetesprotip.com, or in the featured section of the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is brought to you by Omnipod 5, the automated insulin delivery system that's tubeless and works with the Dexcom G6 the one you've been waiting for, it's available right now at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Touched by Type 1. If you go to touchedbytype1.org right now and click on the programs tab, you'll see the upcoming events. Right now in October, there's a family Halloween party coming up in addition to the fall dance program. And then, of course, pretty soon in November, Dancing for Diabetes Showcase will be here. I'll be telling you more about that soon, but for now, find Touch by Type 1 at touchbytype1.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Hi, I am Katie. I'm a mother of a child that has type 1 diabetes. Uh, we were diagnosed in August. I kind of like to say now part-time job of being somewhat of a pancreas, um, and I guess that's about it. Katie, it's so interesting. We were chatting before this about nothingness. And you never futzed. I don't know if you know futz because you're in in North Dakota, but uh, you never messed with the wire on the um, microphone. And then you started talking on the podcast, and you're moving it or something like that. Are you? Is it touching your hair, or were you touching it unknowingly, or talking with your hands, or something like that? I talk with my hands constantly. Okay. Right. So don't touch that microphone again. Okay. <laughs> I will do my best. Thank which you. I mean, I'll only do it a thousand times. <laughs> it makes this little sound like this. Hold on. Can you hear that? Yes. Just a little, it's this little rubbing in the background. And uh, I don't want people to miss what you're saying. So, and maybe the other people are crazy like me and hear tiny little noises in the background that completely takes them out of everything. Um, but hopefully, hopefully everybody's not crazy like me. All right. So uh, let's see. How many kids do you have in total? We have two kids and it is my youngest daughter um, that has diabetes. Okay. Um, how old is he or she? She is eight years old. And how long she had diabetes now? Since August. Um, we, I am like the most non-medically knowledgeable person you could ever meet. Um, if it takes more than like 
Advil or water, I'm out. Like, I don't know what, I don't know how to solve your problem. Like water's not doing it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's terrible. Really. I'm like, I can't believe kids are entrusted to me, but they are. And I I mean, I have one that's 11 and she's still around. So, you know, like we're doing something right, but I really don't know anything medically. So um, maybe you just have good water, Katie. Yeah, we have water oh, here, well. but yes. I understand what you're saying. Oh, I didn't know this was going to get turned around on me, but that's fine. Um, no, no, maybe it's just like full of vitamins and nutrients and everything. And you just, you just hydrate. You're like, hey, you broke your leg, hydrate. Well, okay. I would be like, okay, we got to go to the doctor for that. But I think a lot of things like I got a headache and my kids like always roll their eyes. So I'm like, have you drank any water today? Like your body needs water. And so um, I just thought, when she was diagnosed, I'm like, they're finally taking my advice. She's drinking so much water. <laughs> I'm getting through to these kids. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, it was probably, she, it wasn't my advice. Her body was just telling her to do it anyways. But soon I'm going to um, move on from this hydration message and move up to something else. They, 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 they've got this one. I'm, yeah. You must have really thought you won for a couple of minutes, right? Oh, yes. Um, and like, uh, that daughter of ours has always really drank water well. The other one, we're like, do you drink any water during any time? Um, it was a concern, like, back in 2016, when I brought her in for an annual visit, we just said, like, she does drink a lot of water. Do you just want to test her for diabetes at that point? Mm-hmm. And so they tested her back in 2016, and her blood glucose came back at 75. So... I think once we had gotten that test back, we just didn't even think like diabetes was an option anymore, which was really naive, I guess. But mm. well, I mean, it, I, I can't, I can't say that that's naive. I mean, if you had the thought, by the way, why was the thought? Because the excessive thirst made somebody look for diabetes. Well, my husband's grandma had type one diabetes, oh. and she actually lost a leg to diabetes. And I never met her because she passed away young. And then her, his dad and her sister also had diabetes too, but that was, I think his sister was type one, but his dad was type two. Hmm. So, so there's two people in your pretty close extended family who've had type one diabetes. So there was enough of knowledge that the excessive thirst read like diabetes to your husband. Is that right? To him. Yep. Yeah. And then, but then you take the poor kid in and get a test when, when her blood sugar is 75 and then you don't think about it again. Pretty much. And like that test result came back and I didn't, I really didn't know what anything meant. It just came back in green. I'm like, okay, well, all right. Like I I had no idea what any of the values even meant. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, how much longer after, you know, you found out she didn't have diabetes, did it take for you to find out she did have diabetes? Well, (laughs) It was July of last year. So July, 2021 is when we got her, brought her in to the doctor. We were, she was starting to wet the bed again at night and she was signed up to go to a camp and stay overnight. And I'm like, whatever's going on. I obviously don't know how to solve it with water. <laughs> like, and so we brought her in and she got tested then. And I will always remember the day I got the call from the doctor was because she called me my daughter was out trying to learn how to water ski out on the reservoir here. And the doctor's like, she called me and I was 
just like ignored it because we're on a boat. It wasn't very easy. And then the second time she called me, I'm like, she's calling me twice in a row. I better answer this. And she's like, Katie, Emma has type one diabetes. I'm sorry to tell you this. Like her blood glucose is 712 right now is like, do you have eyes on her? Is she passed out? Is she seizing? Like, do you know what she's doing? And I'm like, she's trying to learn how the water ski right now. Um, so from the urgency of my doctor, I got it that it was a big deal, but I had no idea until like the more we learned about it, like seven on 12 was very high yeah. um, and quite crazy. So, well, it must've been difficult to believe something was that wrong. If you were watching her being pulled behind a boat and skiing, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah, because I think her biggest was wetting the bed at night was her biggest um, thing that we picked up on right. while well, she was eating a lot, but we just thought like, well, she's probably to the point where she's starting to grow. And it was absurdly hot. It was like a hundred degrees out. And we just thought she was drinking a lot of water because it was hot outside. Mm. So I always, it's so easy to look back afterwards and see all these different things stack up. And well, I thought I had different reasons for them, but they were all wrong. Yeah. But. No, uh, listen, a pretty common tale. So uh, you drag her off the boat, you take her to a hospital or to a doctor. How does it go next? Well, that was a, something else I found really interesting after listening to your podcast. They just said, you're showing up in one of the larger cities in our state. That's an hour and a half drive from us. And they're like, you're showing up tomorrow at nine o'clock. Just make it happen no matter what. And I'm like, well, this must be serious. Um, so we never had a hospitalization. We went to the endocrinologist and it wasn't even an option of who you go to in our state. We have one pediatric endocrinologist in our whole entire state. Mm -hmm. um, so there wasn't really much of an option there, but we show up and they did give us a heads up. Like you're going to be here for a few hours. I think it was three or four hours. And then we were sent home with our supplies and uh, I'm, hear about a lot of hospitalizations happening and I'm just really glad we just didn't have to hang out at a hospital the whole time and that we were able to kind of like just sort of keep going on with life. Yeah. Well, wow. it's interesting. That's got to have something to do with the, the, um, the small amount of physicians that are available. I mean, to some degree, like you can't stack people up to, or, or though maybe it's just how they do it, or maybe it was a function of what her blood sugar was. And so she wasn't in DKA. Is that right? I don't believe so. And her A1C was 12.1 that mm. day when we went to the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. And then the long lasting insulin they put us on, they had her on eight units. And so part of me, the more I learned about it, I was like, I'm wondering if they were flushing ketones and we didn't know it because it wasn't long at eight units of Traceba that we got pulled way back and less than a month later, like a unit of Traceba was too much for 24 hours. It's interesting. Like they were almost managing the, the draw down with you at home where most places or most people you talk to that happens in a hospital setting. Yep. Something else. Hey, there's a beeping going on behind you. Do you have any idea what it is? It's my dishwasher. Cause I stopped it. Katie, can you go, to, can you shut it off? <laughs> uh, let me see. Right, I'll go push some buttons. I'll be right back. I'll be right here. There it is. Beep, beep, beep. See what I can do for you people? Right? I don't, you don't need to hear that beeping. I'm on top of this for you. Don't you worry. Katie will never hear this part. Isn't that weird? She's coming back. 
This is it. I'm back. Hi. Thank you. You're welcome. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. All right. So with, I'm interested in this because you have, uh, how do I, how do I ask my question? Did you feel like you had knowledge about type one, not you, but your husband, or was it because it wasn't him who had type one growing up? Did he not know very much about it? He did not know much about it. His dad is type two. Um, when we were sitting in the doctor's office, Eric said to the endocrinologist, I know it's bad because we're over seven. And he's like, how do you know an A1C of seven is good? He's like, he writes life and he helps with life insurance for people. And he's like, you can't get a policy unless somebody has an A1C under seven. Mm-hmm. And so his knowledge, um, we were actually our shareholders of Dexcom and Insulate before we even had a diabetic child because that's the world he lives in. And he recognized these as really up and coming companies and great products to get behind and stuff like that. So my husband had more knowledge at the start just because of his market research on these companies than I did that day in our appointment. Boy, that's interesting. You were the first person to say, I knew about these products because of investing, not because of diabetes. You were literally the first person that's ever said that to me. That's super interesting. Been on insulate. He's think he's um, listened to, gotten whatever information he could, even though he wasn't interested from a diabetic standpoint, and he could see that it was like an outstanding company and how it was so different than the other companies that were out there. And so it was. It it is a different perspective when he was like, "I know for sure we want Dexcom." He's like, "I've learned so much about it. I don't know why anybody with type one wouldn't have a Dexcom." And that's coming with us knowing nothing about diabetes, and that was his conclusion. Yeah, from a completely dispassionate third-party perspective, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's cool. I, do you think I should be asking people to disclose if they own stock when they come on the podcast? <laughs> that never occurred um, to me. <laughs> I, if you're one of the major company owners, just kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, there, them. that seems obvious, right? Like, people, yeah. <laughs> like when the CEO comes on, they know he, I, I assume they know he has yeah, those no, people have stock. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Secrets there. No, we're just little, little. We're nothing. I mean, we're just small shareholders, but no, it no. is quite interesting. I understand, but that I'm really fascinated by that. Actually, that he had a, a firm understanding of a pump and a CGM because of that perspective. Wow, that's really something. So, did did that mean you tried to get those things very quickly, or how did that all go? The I'm positive if we wanted to leave the office that day with that they would have sent us home for sure with a Dexcom and I think they would have started the paperwork for the pump right away Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to start this is one thing I probably disagree with you on is I wanted to start with the bare basics just for in a situation that you have to go back in technology that you're not struggling to know what to do and my lack of any sort of medical knowledge, I felt better at ease. Like if the wheels come off the wagon and we have to go to the most basic things, I'm not trying to figure out what I'm doing. I will know what to do. You know, it is so interesting that you say that. This happens to me all the time on on the show, but um, because literally yesterday afternoon, it hasn't even been 24 hours ago. It was so recently I was speaking to a friend's, um, um, so my friend's colleague's sister, her kid had type one diabetes just diagnosed a few days ago. And they asked if I would talk to her on the phone. And so I did. 
And she said, they told me I can't have this right away because I need to know how to use it. How did they put it? I need to know how to use it in case technology fails. That yeah, that 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 was the vibe of what she said. And my immediate response was, that's bull. <laughs> so but then my explanation was um that when you have diabetes and you're using insulin and you're blind, you don't really know what's happening. So I've gotten to speak to enough people that what I recognize is that after a long time of using uh, just a meter and MDI, not having a CGM, all not all, a lot of the things that those people think they know to be true, they find out was just their best guess once they have a CGM and they can see what's really happening. Like they were filling in the blanks with their guesses and were frequently wrong about it. So my uh-huh. my stance is always, and by the way, it doesn't matter if you and I agree, um, you, you absolutely should live your life freely. Uh, but um, my stance is, see it happen, you can really understand it, and then if somebody were to come and take it from you, you know, which I also think is kind of a, a weird statement. I, I, I mean, here in the U.S. at the very least, you know what I mean? It's like saying, I don't know, it's like saying pack a lunch because we might get out there and not have anywhere to eat. If you're in New Jersey, you can get food every 30 seconds. You know, like, I mean, so in the United States, I think you can get your hands on a Dexcom if you have insurance. Um, I, I don't believe there's going to be a Dexcom shortage at some point. So I don't think it's going to go backwards or fail or fail for long. But if it were to, if somebody just came and took it from you, you would at least have the experience of having lived with it. And then at least when you're guessing what's happening in between the blood sugar tests with your meter, your guesses would be more based in reality and less just based in you just making something up, you know, because you've never seen it before. Does that make sense to you or no? It it does. But that day being less than 24 hours past diagnosis, I didn't even know that your blood sugar could change. Like I was so uninformed that Mm -hmm. I didn't even know like your blood sugar levels could change so quickly with so many different variables. And it, I think the other small thing we gained from that was like, my daughter saw what the opposite was. She is not the biggest fan of the Dexcom sensor insertions. I don't know if some of that's mental or physical or combination of both. I don't experience it. So I don't know, but she's able to come back and say, but I don't want a finger prick all the time. So we were only on um, finger pricks for a week before we got the Dexcom. So it was very short term. Wow. And I think it even helped her realize like, this isn't what I want. The one thing that we got from just being finger pricking for a week was, well, we're trying to figure out how to count carbs, <laughs> like just even shifting like, okay, insulin, you know, insulin, and then our food and carbs, like at least we weren't have the, like, I think it was okay for us not to have those numbers for that one week, just to try to get something else sorted out and not all of it at once. Mm-hmm. And that is a case by case scenario, I'm sure. Um, but then once we got the Dexcom, like, I don't think anybody should go more than a week ever without a Dexcom is, <laughs> you, you know, like, no, it is yeah. well, absurdly you're, helpful. Your response so mimics the persons I spoke to yesterday. It's fascinating. Um, because the way she put it to me is when they said that to her, she didn't have any context at all. And it made sense. 
well, you want to know how to garden with a hoe in case your rototiller dies. And that she was like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, and I don't listen. I think what you just said a second ago to me was the most valuable part of the whole conversation and, and the experience which is how do you know what you are trying to avoid if you've never had that either? So even just her having the finger pricks for a couple of days made her say, hey, you know what? I don't love it when this thing inserts, but it's better than poking my fingers every couple hours. So it, it, it did give her some perspective that she didn't have a week before. Yeah, and I, it was never our goal. Like we want to keep this. It's not simple. <laughs> like, And I think some people think, Finger pricking is a simple way. It is not simple. I don't think it is. It's so much freeing to have the Dexcom, the instant feedback. You're able to learn so quickly. Um, it's amazing. But there was just such a big learning curve for us. Like, I think we had the Dexcom for two weeks and we were like, well, she's not low. I mean, like it took us a while to realize what we needed to figure out. And that's where your podcast came into play. Like, this is why we need to know these numbers. This is how we can manipulate the numbers. And that was just a huge turning point for us. And, well, I didn't um, know this was going to be an episode where nice things were said about me, but I'm um, now super excited. Uh, before Katie, I was just going through the motions, but now that you're going to say something nice, I'm all jacked. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, no, I appreciate, it. you know, I'm not arguing with you, right? Like I'm not saying you, like, the, it's a bad idea. I just, uh, I think it's, the way I the way I think of it is I think that we set up these black or white things all the time. We always say it's this or that. It's either or. You know what I mean? It's either you do it this way, you do it that way, and there's only two right answers. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't think that's the way the world works. You know, I think it's super reductive to say you have to do it without the technology in case the technology fails. To me, that doesn't make any sense because even if the technology fails – I will have at least had it to learn from. Um, I don't know. Like it, it, in the end, Kate, I don't care. You, you know what I mean? People no, should, should do I whatever they're going to do. And I think I'm one of the few people for me to give my daughter a shot. <laughs> it was so hard. And I know it's not easy for a lot of people, but that was just like, I have to know that I can do it and not where I feel like it's more of an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't pick up my glucagon because I didn't want to have to use a syringe. And then the, they kind of got after me for not picking up glucagon. So then I did. Um, I was excited yesterday when I spoke to the woman that um, newly diagnosed in the hospital last week. They sent her home with a GVOC hypopen because I was getting ready to say to her, hey, you know, um, I, actually, I had it's so funny when I have these private conversations. I first it all, it's almost like I'm disclosing my my stock, which I don't own any of. But uh, just using it as an example, I'm like, listen, I'm about to tell you about a CGM. They buy ads on my podcast. I'm like, that's not why I'm telling you about it. And then I brought up the glucagon because I think it's really handy the way it's set up. And then I found myself going, you know what? There are actually advertisers too. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, almost found myself apologizing for suggesting it. And then she goes, no, they actually gave us that one. I was like, oh, that's cool. So uh, I wish I actually uh, was at our three month appointment. I asked for the GVOC pen and he's like, you should have the glucagon. I'm like, well, I don't. And I want the GVOC pen and I don't want to administer like I don't want to administer a syringe like I don't think I think properly like medical things are not my strong suit and I still don't have it well keep pushing and 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 by the way good of you to like recognize that you know that might not be the the strongest part of your personality or your skills you know I I I still um 
I don't know. I don't know if I say this very often, but back when I was finger sticking Arden so much, I wouldn't do it to myself because I was afraid that if I thought it hurt, I'd have a harder time doing it to her. I also like I wouldn't practice like inject saline in myself. Like I wouldn't. I just didn't want to know what it felt like because I knew myself, and I thought this if I if I relate this to something terrible, then it's going to be like a, a struggle for me to do it. I've done it all now since then, but back then when she was really little, two years old, you know, 19 pounds, um, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to, to know the real truth actually. No. And I just, everybody says they don't like needles, but like neither of my kids, I didn't have any epidurals. Nothing's going like, no way. Like that's how much I hate them. <laughs> like they're awful. Like I just, we don't. Not a needle person. Well. Katie is gotcha. not at all. Yeah. <laughs> So um, in your note that you sent me, you indicated that you guys didn't like flinch very much. Like you kind of kind of kept running forward with life. Was that yes. was that like a purposeful thing or was it was it based in ignorance or how did it work? I'd like to say both now that I look back. Um, she was diagnosed on a Wednesday. The following Wednesday, I left to go hiking in the mountains for like a 15 mile hike mm -hmm. and with something I'd been training for that for months. And my daughter was also set to be at a camp at the same time. And so we kind of relied upon the staff at the clinic and we called them like, is, do you think it's okay? Like if only one person's here managing her, or if we called the camp nurse and she seems to have some experience, like, are we good to send her off to camp? And they're like, well, if you think it's good to get back to life, just go for it. And so, um, yeah, I was, gone backpacking a week after her diagnosis my husband took her care until she went to camp and she had like somebody in the medical field taking care of her and then on my way home I stopped at that camp and I actually volunteered in the kitchen just to be there for something came up mm -hmm. um although I did absolutely nothing obviously at that point she was in way better hands in the nurse's care than my care but I was physically at the camp helping in other ways. I was going to um, say that. Did you find comfort in leaving her with somebody who said, oh, I've seen this before? Oh, we didn't think twice about it. Yeah. And selfishly, I would be in the kitchen from seven in the morning till seven at night and I'd take a shower and then I would sleep for 11 and a half hours and then I'd wake up and just go to the kitchen again. And I, I said, I feel really guilty about how much continuous sleep I'm getting, even though we were only like one week into the diagnosis, like we already realized like doing that 2am um, finger prick is very disruptive um, to sleep. And it wasn't very beneficial at that point, because they didn't even tell you what to do. Like, oh, she's 300. She's not low. We're good. And we had no idea. Like, that's terrible. Oh, so the people that you were counting on thought 300 was okay? No, the oh. clinic. Oh, the so like we came home, they said, wake up at two o'clock, finger pricker. If she's low, treat the low, otherwise do nothing. And I'm like, why am I waking up? Looking back, I'm like, oh, if I'm going to be up and she's 300, we should have been doing something. I would love to hear the person explain that. The person that said that to you or who would say that to anyone. I'd love to hear the explanation for we don't do anything about a 300 blood sugar. Okay, but I will I will step up in their defense for they did have us pre-bolusing from the very start. Nice. But they didn't call it a pre-bolus. What they call it? Do they have a name for it? They just said, try to give the insulin 10 to 15 minutes before she consumes food. Can't sell a t-shirt that says that. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I do not sell a pre-bolus t-shirt, although I probably should. I mean, honestly, don't you think that's what everyone needs? To, I, I think there should be a magnet that sticks to your refrigerator that just says pre-bolus. <laughs> um, well. Just keep it in your head, you know? Um, so, boy, I'll tell you, uh, it's so, I'm always interested uh, because it happened again earlier this week. I record this podcast a lot. Um where people feel very um, protective of their medical people. Um, they'll say, well, in their defense, or they did say this, or I don't want anybody to think that. Um, I was speaking to somebody the other day who got like patently bad medical advice through, through years. They recognized it was bad. And when I asked them to kind of talk about it, they could not bring themselves to say it out loud. It's interesting. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, I, I wish my wife spoke about me as nicely as some people talk about their doctors who let their blood sugar stay at 300. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm super interested in the psychology behind that. I, I, I'll, I don't know that I'll ever understand it, but. So because we had to travel 90 miles to our endocrinologist, they had us call in twice a day at the first week and we'd have to call in daily. And it was like, they would slowly give us more to think about as we would call in. But at the same time, once I got back from hiking in Montana, um, I contacted somebody else in the community that I knew had a diabetic child. And she had just offhandedly said like, oh, there's a podcast I like to listen to about diabetes. And I'm like, I don't do podcasts. <laughs> and then I paused. Thanks a lot, like, Katie. Jeez. I know. I mean, it was like a whole day and I was feeling really sleep deprived already. And then I thought like, oh my gosh, somebody suggested something. And I'm like, I just don't do that. <laughs> That's probably not a good choice. It's and so then I good for you. wasn't sleeping at 2 a.m. because I had to wake up and check her blood sugar. And I started, I was overwhelmed. I started going through all these episodes and I'm like, oh my gosh, like where there's just so many. I don't think once I start something, I have to do it all. I can't I can start a bad book. I still read the whole stupid bad book. Like there is no like half doing something in my life. So I like had to think about it for a week or like a day before I started listening to him. Cause I'm like, how am I going to have the time to listen to these all? And I started in the most logical spot of all. I listened to the one about Everest, you know, super helpful for managing my own child. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had recently been on a mountain. So that made total sense. Oh, baby, yeah, but yeah. I was n never in the risk of an avalanche, but, um, no. So <laughs> Katie, people with your affliction that have to finish things that, that, um, when they start them, you're my bread and butter, first of all. So thank you very much. And, uh, but I, I want to be clear for people who are listening. You're not saying that my podcast is really bad. You just have to finish it because you started it already. Right. <laughs> well, no, just kidding. No, it is fantastic. Okay. And <laughs> it was um, looking back, I really wish when I contacted this person, I wish they wanted to said, I like to listen to this podcast. I wish they could have expressed like, this is where you're going to find your most helpful information. This is where you can gain other people's experiences. This is where there's just so much up to date and continuing to progress information available and so worth the time investment that it does take. And I'm like, if people couldn't find time to binge watch something on Netflix, I took my time to binge listen to everything on your podcast. And 
that was kind of by listening to your podcast. And I think I started with the defining diabetes and then I started listening to the pro tip series and I was still calling into the office like, okay, she continually the goals low or she's constantly high. And I started making suggestions to the nurses and I'd be like, before you tell me what you think should happen, this is what I would like to do. And it was nice that I could use them as a resource because I felt like there's a lot to learn right away at the beginning. And I appreciated that they listened to what I said. And most of the time they're like, why don't you give that a try? Once in a while they said, I think I would do this instead, but try what you wanted first. Mm. Well, that's nice. It really is. Also, it's telling, right? Because if you called me and I don't know about anything, something I knew about intrinsically, and you called me up and you said, Scott, I think we should try this. You know, I would say, no, I don't think we should because I know how to do it and this way works. So it's weird, not that not to be open-minded, that's great, but it's odd that you can call a physician's office and say, hey, here's our problem. Before you tell me the thing you're going to say, here's the thing I'm going to say. And you said your thing and they went, oh yeah, that's fine, do that. But it well, wasn't the same. using fancy words like I want to pre-bolus this longer. Like <laughs> I think because of your defining diabetes, like I had words to properly talk to them too. Yeah. I might be cynical, but I think that that I think that's what I I don't think. Let me say it this way. I don't think that sounding like you know what you're talking about should be enough to dissuade a professional from their opinion. And when it does, that causes me to call their opinion into question. Do you see what I'm saying? I could agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it, it would be like if you said to your kid, hey, put that down because that's dangerous. And your kid went, no, it's not. You went, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't allow that. <laughs> right. Katie, you're not doing that. That's, this is my point. My point is, um, you know, I'll tell you what I told the woman I spoke to yesterday. I said, in six months, you're going to know about more about this than you could ever imagine. And a year from now, you're going to know more about it than the doctor that's helping you. And she's like, how is that possible? And I said, I don't know, but it's true. So just keep absorbing and figuring things out. I'm super glad the podcast helped you. Like, even if it was just to bully a nurse into agreeing to something. <laughs> not, You're not a bully, Katie. I'm just, I'm teasing. No, but it it was nice. Like, it was just like, I needed that process, though, like, just to have a couple of times of them saying, sure, okay, do that. And then I'm like, I'm going to stop wasting their time. And I'm just going to start changing things. And like, I didn't even know to be afraid of insulin until I listened to your podcast. I'm like, oh, people are afraid to use this stuff. Like, I'm just totally oblivious on so many levels, which I think is kind of a blessing in some ways, because I never hesitated to give the insulin. I don't know. Is as this, long as it, I didn't have to do the needle, I didn't care. Like, I have no problem giving her insulin. So this has only been about seven months for you, right? Correct. Okay. Has it leveled you up as a person? What do you mean by leveled up? <sighs> well, geez, Katie, do you know how sometimes I ask questions and I'm worried that it's going to offend people? This might be one of those times, but I don't mean it in an offensive way. So let me get through it, okay? Just a quick reminder to head over to touchedbytype1.org to learn more about my favorite diabetes organization. And if you're looking for automated insulin delivery and you love the idea of a tubeless insulin pump, the Omnipod 5 is right up your alley. 
the Omnipod 5 automated insulin delivery system is here. It is the only tubeless automated delivery system of insulin that integrates with the Dexcom G6 CGM. And it uses something called Smart Adjust technology to automatically adjust your insulin delivery every five minutes, helping to protect against highs and lows without multiple daily injections. If this sounds like something you're interested in, and come on, how could it not be? Head over to Omnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more and get started today. Now, if you're not looking for automated insulin delivery, but you still want that insulin pump to be tubeless, then at that same link, Omnipod.com forward slash juice box, you can learn more about the Omnipod Dash, and you actually may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Again, you'll learn all about that at my link, Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. For full safety, risk information, a list of compatible phones, as well as clinical trial claims and free trial terms and conditions. Wow, that's a lot of stuff, but it's all at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. All right, back to Katie. Like, you sound like a nice person. You sound like the mom of two reasonably young kids. I mean, do you work? Sometimes. Okay, right? I'm just saying, your life seems kind of nice. You, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it was, like, not, like, taxing and, and it, nice. Like, the way, listen, your life sounds like the way I wanted my life to be before my kid got diabetes, right? Like, but, like, now that it's given you more to do, do you think there'll be a time when you don't say to people, I'm not a medical person, I'm not good with this stuff? Like, do you, do you imagine that maybe you'll level up afterwards and, like, at two years from now, you'll be saying, you know, I used to tell people... I wasn't good around medical things. And I would joke about, I, you know, I parented with, you know, how do you say it? Water? Is that water? How the hell? Water. Water? It doesn't sound right, Katie. But um, <laughs> but do you think there'll be a day where you'll look back on this and think, wow, I've, I've come a long way, I guess is what I'm asking. Oh, I just think, I don't know. I just have a really positive disposition about everything. And I just don't let much bother me, I yeah. think. And so I don't know. Like when you're talking, I think I should have married you and not Kelly. That's how, because you seem so pleasant. <laughs> but she seems very smart. Oh, she's and pleasant smart. too. She's pleasant like, to other people, not to me, Katie. Have Have I ever well, spoken about Kelly's gas station voice on the podcast? No. Okay. Or I don't think so. Kelly has a gas station voice, and uh, it's this voice. She goes, oh, hi. She gets very nice, and she goes up an octave, and she's super pleasant, has a big smile on her face. And I joke with her. I was like, I wish you would talk to me like I worked at a gas station because the, I would appreciate that. So Kelly has a gas station voice. That's how we make fun of her about it here at the house. Um, not that she's like some terrible person in the shadows. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, I don't know. Maybe it's just because you were, are you born in North Dakota? Uh, no, in Minnesota. Minnesota. I don't know. You have like a more Midwestern vibe about you. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not trying to kill everybody and take their money. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you should try uh, living like, out here. Not, <laughs> if it's not positive, like, just move on. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I, you should try living out here. It's a rat race. That I know where that word came from. That's a, 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 a viable description for living on the East Coast. Um, I have not been out on the East Coast a whole lot, but we are planning on taking a family trip out there this summer. So maybe I'll have an inkling of what you're talking about once we get back. I don't know. I, well, I went to New York once. <laughs> what, did you see a show? Had a lunch? Uh, yeah. 
yeah. went skating in Rockefeller Center. Right, right, you know, right. I hear you. Um, and like I realized, uh, I talk too much for people there. Like, like, hey, isn't it nice out? And like, people look at me like I grew a horn Shut on my head or something. Up. Like, people don't <laughs> talk to each other. Like, obviously, I do not fit in out here. And. Um, I just but, realized that I don't see the phrase killer be killed as a bad phrase. <laughs> 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 I just had that like realization in my head. I was like, I just see that as like, you know, marching orders. Like, let's get out there and win. Um, I, I want to live where you are. Like, not in the winter. People have told me how bad the winters are out there. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, unholy? I don't, I, I don't even have words to describe the winter, but... You know, three months out of the year is absolutely gorgeous here. So I this mean. is my goal. This, Katie, my goal is if all of you would just please tell other people about the podcast. My goal is to live those three months in kind of that Wyoming, North Dakota ish. Like, I don't understand the country completely. But again, that place in that time when it's not cold and it's not hot, that place seems perfect to me in that in that little section of time. Then I'll well, run okay. somewhere else in the summer where it's not too humid and then in the winter, I'll run back to one of those hot places. That These are my goals. I don't think I'll ever um, accomplish them. But I think is... you just need to buy a Winnebago. Oh, God, Katie, you, you can... don't know me at all, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can meet that goal. I mean, you can have whatever you want, but you can't have it all, you know? <sighs> you sure, Katie? Because I think if I kill enough other people, I can get ahead. <laughs> what i learned growing up here now people just, won't have be doing stuff for you and then you just have to take on more so like you want to keep other people around i hear you i really should bring other people around um I, the other day somebody said to me why do you not have an assistant and i was like who's gonna pay that person and and the the person i talked to was laughing and said i know people who don't need an assistant who have an assistant i was like i would rather work myself into the ground the way god intended thank you <laughs> so um anyway well, when you do it yourself, it does turn out the way you wanted too. you know, like there's that aspect of just doing it yourself, too. Yeah, more time would be nice. But in general, you are right. The podcast comes out the way I want it to be. Like, I've never once listened to one and thought, who did that? You know, like, don't put that there or don't say that. Or the other night I was recording ads and I was loopy. Like, so I got back from my son was playing baseball in Florida and we got back and I had this is probably boring for people, but I had killed myself the three weeks prior to leaving for this one week trip so that you guys would not notice that I was gone while you're listening to the podcast. So I had to like work ahead of time. I had to double up recordings. So like, like free, actually I have one on, I think I have two tomorrow because I had to move people off of this, this time. But anyway, I, I got enough done so that the entire time I was gone, the podcast would run fine. And I got to the point where I had some shows edited, but I didn't have the ads and the bumpers in them yet. So I basically came home Saturday and had to pull myself together really quickly and make a podcast to put up on Monday. And I'm behind, I don't like working like that. So I was just trying to rest up from the trip. And I think it was like two nights ago, I was up at like 11 o'clock buttoning up an episode that you were going to get like six hours later. And I got super like tired while I was doing it and really kind of dopey. And I just left it all in because when I listened back to it, I was like, well, that's funny. People will like that. And and if I gave that to an editor, there's no way an editor would have left in what I said. Like at one point I said, my tongue just stuck to my face. I don't even know what that means. So, you know, 
<laughs> and it's nice that the ads aren't the same the whole time. Like you can't just quote the ad because it's over and over and over. It's like nice to hear something different, you know? Katie, thank you. And I hope the advertisers are listening and appreciate my extra effort because that is exactly what I do. I don't want them to be the same over and over again because I'd like them to be entertaining and informative and I'd like you to want to listen to them. So anyway, point is an editor would have just chopped all that out and sent me an email and been like, do that again. And to me, I was just like, ah, screw it. It's fine. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm thinking back on your note. What else did you want to talk about? I don't want to have to look. I had it in my head and now I, I don't, lost it. Like once I thought about, like, I know I sent you a note of appreciation um, and what a difference it made in the management of um, Emma's management of her diabetes and like her future health is going to be drastically better because of you and Jenny. I wrote one to Jenny too, but like I told my husband yesterday that I was doing this podcast. I'm like, I don't even, was I writing in complete sentences at that point? Like I was so. No, it's a little overrunny. Yeah. It's a yeah. little over word overrunny, but I get the point, you know, um, if I, I read know, it, I you'd did, be embarrassed. Uh, yeah. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, no. Please spare me. <laughs> it goes on and on. <laughs> I talk a lot. So it doesn't surprise me that I write like that either. But um, I don't know, there's just it's such a different world. And you feel like when so many other people around you aren't affected by it, you feel half crazy. And it's just nice to listen to other people like these are real things that we see. I'm not going nuts. Um, and that there is a community, even though I I'm not necessarily interacting with these people. Like you just don't feel as alone in this crazy disease that we have now. Yeah. And you did say one know. thing in your note that I disagree with. You want to hear about it? Oh, sure. Good. But we can talk through it. You said something about, oh, here it goes. <laughs> I'm going to quote you. And I no. would love to tell people to use the search feature on your Facebook private group instead of asking how to bolus for insert carby fatty food here search for that food, and then read posts that people have already taken the time to share. It's another way of gaining info that is quicker than waiting for people to respond. I want to hear your thought on it first, but then I'm going to give you mine. Okay, so I love your Facebook group, and I think you can just be not active at all and gain a lot of information from like where to place sensors to how certain people feel, different foods, what people like a starting point of how mm -hmm. to start extending or not extend. Or um, I remember researching pizza while we were still MDI and just like, okay, let's try this much here and that much here. At least it's a starting point and not just like, let's do it all up front. That did work. Okay. Now what, you know? Um, but I just felt like maybe I was on the Facebook page too much that I felt like so much of it was kind of the same thing over and over again. I'm like, okay, people, how many pizza posts do we need? Can you just, We'll see what other people said already. All but right, Katie. Now you want to hear the I other care? side of it? Sure. That is if you that is the exact wrong thing to say if you're trying to make a Facebook page that is valuable for people. Because it's not even if it could act as a, an encyclopedia, like, you know, even if you could say, hey, everything you've ever asked is already in this Facebook group, you just have to search for it. If the Facebook group wasn't active, people wouldn't come to it. And if they didn't come to it, then they wouldn't be there to search for it. So you have the activity is the most important part of making a thriving online space. Like you need to you need to want them to ask about pizza 
every time somebody thinks about it. You need them to say the same things over and over again because there there is a finite amount of things to say about diabetes. I mean, we haven't found the end of it yet, but there there has to be an end to it somewhere, right? Um, but if if those things don't keep happening in front of you, you won't even know to wonder about them. So like yes. you need you need it to have it's like a river. It it has to keep running. Like you, you know, you can't you can't float down the river and then go, I don't need this river to run anymore. I'm already down the river. Because there are other people who need to see all of those conversations. They need to um, watch them happen. They need to wonder about them. And if they stop happening, then nobody will pay attention to the group. They won't be in the group and they'll never see the conversations. The conversations are the group. Without the conversations, it fails. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but um, you're, but I think what you're saying more is that it gets, can it get overwhelming at some point? And then that, that at that point, I could choose just not to look at it, yes. right? Well, you definitely could. Yes, you are an autonomous person. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say this about your Facebook group. Oh, our first few birthday party experiences were quite interesting. Um, let's see here. Uh, her second birthday party she got invited to, we had a Dexcom change right before it. Mm-hmm. And we, she was limited in where she was comfortable on putting her devices. And I'm like, I'll give her time to get used to different spots. And I had put her Dexcom on her leg. And she's like, it hurts to move my leg. I'm in so much pain. And this is sometimes how we feel closer to insertion. And then as time goes by, I think she kind of forgets that it's on her body, but she was so adamant that it hurt so bad. I'm like, I really don't know. Does this really hurt you? And I really appreciated. I put a picture on the Facebook group of her pump and her CGM and people gave me instant feedback like, oh, yep. Occasionally it can really, really hurt. And like, I could see where that might happen in that spot. And so I knew to like, we pulled that thing right away, put it on somewhere else. And then she was able to go off to her birthday party. And so like, I really do appreciate the immediate feedback of all those who do contribute their experiences. Cause that's the one disadvantage of just being a manager of diabetes and not the one experiencing it of a kid. I just, sometimes I'm like, how much of this is really what you're feeling? I don't know if that makes sense. Two things. I, the very first Dexcom sensor I ever put on Arden, I definitely didn't do it right. And it hurt her and we made her wear it for a couple of hours. And I, and the minute we took it off of her, I realized I'd put it into, um, I don't, I, I forget what I didn't do, but it, I guess I didn't pinch up a little bit and I don't know. It was, it was back. It was a long time ago. Uh, I haven't had that problem since then. But the point is, is that we were like, no, she'll get used to it. She'll get used to it. And it, she just, we were wrong. I still feel terrible about it. And I, that has to have been like 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, but, but to your point about the page, you have no idea. Like none of you know how many, like threads I go into and I go, Oh, I know what to say about this. Then I read down. I'm like, well, it's all covered. They don't need me. you like, like it's, it's really wonderful. Like to go in and see so many people using the podcast to grow their information and then going back to Facebook and sharing it with somebody else. It's really cool. Like I more often than not, I just look and I think I don't need to be in here. Sometimes I'll just write great thread or like something like that. And I'll get out again. Um, but in the beginning, when I started the Facebook group, I had to be like in every thread because, and it was exhausting, I have to be honest, um, to be like, no, think about it this way, or have you thought of this, like that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not real big on just telling people what to do. 
I, I sort of like to talk it out with them on Facebook and ask leading questions to get them to that on their own, because not only are you helping them to think through it, but everybody watching gets to think through it at the same time. So I think it's an amazing tool. I cannot believe I'm sitting here telling you how much I, I appreciate a Facebook group because I never thought that was going to be the case. I swear to you, when I started it, I was doing it because people were asking me and I just thought, oh, if they want it, I'll do it. But it turned into an amazing thing. So I, um, anyway, let's go back to your rambling message. This is fun. No, please don't. <laughs> no, no, no. Despair. I feel like Despair if you don't, if oh you don't say anything, then I'm just going to go back to your rambling message. Hold on a second. You, you really drive 90 miles to get to an endocrinologist? Yes, I do. Is that like a day um, trip? No. Well, see, that's the different about our traffic here. I drive 45 miles to my work. It's a even smaller town than we live in. But it takes me like forty three minute a forty three minute commute to drive forty five miles. Mm-hmm. Like that's the easy, lovely pace of life we have here. So um, that endocrinologist is on the border of Minnesota and North Dakota, and um, they actually fly him and his crew to different parts of the state so that not people oh don't have to drive like seven hours to come and see him. So they fly him into a more centrally located part of the state. So that people just only have to let drive like an hour and a half to three hours to see them and not like six or seven hours. That's nice. Is that a common thing out there? Um, Maybe just not, not that I know of, but I think like only having one pediatric endocrinologist, like there's other people with diabetes education titles within the state. Like it's not that desolate, but like that specialty. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really neat that, they're able to do that because no, I don't it's know wonderful. how else. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's like a, it's, it's like, like a rural house call, except he doesn't come right to your house. He comes to your area, then you come to him from there. Him, yeah. or, him or her. Oh, that's really, a, that's kind of brilliant, actually. His frequent flyer miles must be crazy. Uh, well, it's... You, wait, it's I, North Dakota. I, how do I fly around North Dakota? How many airports could you possibly have? Well, our little small community has it. Like, our, we have quite a few small little airports. Like, we'll feed into, like, Denver into more major hubs, but I believe this is more of like a private oh. one within that medical system. Oh, I see. This could be like a helicopter or a private jet or something like that. Because I started doing the math like, okay, you guys start your appointments at eight o'clock in the morning. You have to go through security. And then you, ha- you know, like I was right. thinking it was more like in a commercial setting and they're like, oh no, like you pretty much get to the airport, walk on the plane, like all the flight papers and everything are filed and stuff like that. And because- it kind of sounds fun to me. There might be something wrong with me. But the idea of um, like just going to a, an area and having a bunch of people come to you and just talk about diabetes with them for the day, I would do that. It sounds fun, actually. Well, you can come visit. We could set it up somewhere in the summer. You could see how nice it is then. Or if you want to like go through a few snowbanks or something, I mean, you could come out in the winter too. I think the problem is going to be that I'm not a doctor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's where you're going to get the lynch. When you start going, hey, can we helicopter a guy in to chat with people about the IDBs? They're like a doctor. And they're like, no, 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 it's a guy I met online. Uh, no, we can't do that, Katie. <laughs> no, but it is really okay. So we are rural, um, but I think it really speaks to the information that you're able to give out like my rule setting isn't limiting the availability for me getting good care because of your podcast like we can manage my daughter excellent because 
we just have to be able to access a podcast. And that is the most helpful source of information. Um, I, I was really encouraged by our six month appointment when we went in, um, they take all of our devices and download the information and stuff like that. And one of the nurses took my pump for me. The other one brought it back and she's like, you have the most beautiful graphs we have ever seen. And I think my graphs compared to everybody else in your little Facebook group look awful compared to what a lot of people are able to do. And it just like, it was really nice to hear encouragement from his staff that they liked what they saw, but it also made me sad that this is more of a common thing that they see coming through their office. Yeah. I'm afraid, Katie, that the people who listen to this show are generally speaking in the minority of people who are using insulin. Um, and, you know, that's also, why. Good. So when we got on Dexcom, we start having alerts go off on both mine, my husband's phone. And it's been really interesting. He has more contact with the public than I do. And there'll be people that hear the beep and they're like, what is that? Like, and he's like, oh, it's my daughter's pancreas. And they're like, what? And through that, we have found out one of his golf buddies, his wife is diabetic and he had no idea. And he was just dumbfounded. Like, you can see what her blood sugar is doing all the time. Eric's like, yeah, I can see that she's been steady at 90 ever since snack time. He's like, what? And so it's been really interesting getting Dexcom set up for her and the alerts going to my husband's phone, the amount of people our age that we didn't even know were diabetic yeah, that are like, oh, we didn't know this was available or even possible. And so I know two people that have gotten Dexcom since they've seen Eric get alerts on his phone that are our age with diabetes. That's wonderful. But there's a part of me that I'm not diabetic, but I want to go tell him like, you have to take the time to listen to this podcast. You need to do it all. But I don't feel like I'm in the position that I can just say that to these people that have dealt with diabetes for like 20 or 30 years. Like, who am I to tell you what to do? You're and a well-meaning, me lovely, sad. well, you're a well-meaning, lovely person. You could tell them there's a way to say it that, you know, I mean, you could listen as a person who communicates for a living. Here's what I would do. I wouldn't tell them to do it at all. I would tell them what it's done for your daughter and then let, and, and then let them wonder about it. And that's one of the people is my husband's area leader. And he's after getting back my daughter's A1Cs, he'll occasionally check like, Hey, how's Emma doing? He's like, well, here's her A1C. And he's like, how is that even possible? And so like, I feel like at least my husband's able to plant some of these seeds. And I really hope that that desire can be in him to be able to be like, I don't need to chug a bottle of Gatorade in the middle of the night because I went low. Like, I, I appreciate how you feel. And I know it's making you sad to think about it. It makes me sad to think about it too. Um, there's, you know, there's first there's access, right? You know, a lot of people can't afford these things uh, or their insurance doesn't cover it or what have you. So there's that, there's a barrier there. There's just the barrier of ever having someone say it to you or to even understand that it's possible because most people come into it they have their experiences, their experiences repeat, and that leads them to believe that this is just what diabetes is. And then there's not even any reason for them to look into it because they think, well, this is the animal I'm dealing with. Um, I'm going to now just close my eyes and hope that I get, I'm one of the lucky ones and I make it through. 
And if not, well, then, you know, that was bad luck for me. I got diabetes and this is what it is. Um, it, it's hard to reach people to let them know that that's not the case. Um, I do think, I joked a little while ago about not being a doctor. I think not being a doctor is maybe one of the most valuable things about me because I can just share our experiences and, and my ideas. Um, and they're, it's not medical advice. It's a podcast, you know? Um, and then people can again, take from it what they will, or maybe have a thought lit on fire in their head and they'll go chase it down on their own. Um, but if you start asking for doctors to say what they know out loud, you're just going to hear what you all are hearing at a doctor's office in another forum. If a doctor started a podcast about diabetes, no one would listen to it. As a matter of fact, I believe there are a couple of diabetes like orgs that have podcasts that nobody listens to. So it, you know, it's not enough to just say it out loud. You have to say it in a way that's, um, that's easy to take up by the person who's listening to it. They have to be willing to listen to it first. They have to, they actually have to listen to it. They have to be entertained enough to listen. And then they have to hear something that strikes their fancy or makes them wonder or whatever. Uh, so they can dig into it on their own a little more. Um, and I think you have to be willing to get it wrong. Like yeah. you have to be willing to try it and be wrong and be like, huh, that wasn't it. Well, it didn't work. I'll try <laughs> like, something else. To continue. And continue forward, even though it wasn't ideal, just like, well, that wasn't it. What's next? <laughs> yeah. And to piggyback off of what we were talking about, about the Facebook group, me, if you think of me as a content provider for a second, and what you said earlier about, oh, there's so many episodes, I don't know where to start. If there weren't so many episodes, people wouldn't listen because people want content. So if I were to put up, I probably shouldn't say this because I know there are a lot of other diabetes podcasts listening to this, but you guys who are putting up one episode a week. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. One a month, not going to work. I, there's, there's a, I, I would not, they seem like lovely people, but there's one, they put up like 10 every six months, like 10 episodes every six months. I'm like, that's not a podcast. That's your hobby. You, well, you know what your, I mean? Your ability to improve and learn is so limited by 10, 10 times you're going to think about something, you know, like. Right. Yeah. And you're not even going to cover. I mean, listen, uh, there's so much to talk about. The, the problem, one of the, here, here's some free advice for the diabetes space that they didn't ask for. You, you They're going to love it. You keep telling people the same banal bullshit over and over and over again. It, it's, it's, your content sucks for the most part. It's repetitive. It's banal. It often is not helpful. It's often shrouded in so many apologies that you can't even get to the idea. And by that, I mean, I, I, uh, I once read this paragraph about, uh, about pre-bolusing. It was preceded and preceded by language that made you think I should never do this. Be very careful because if you don't do this, like, like the, it was, it was apologizing for what it was about to say. Then it said it, Hey, you might want to pre-bolus for your meals. And then at the, and then afterwards, it, it again apologized for saying it out loud. And I was like, anyone who read these three paragraphs would have been scared away from pre-bolusing. Not, not even like made to think like, oh, maybe this is something I should look at. So there are so many things in diabetes that don't follow, that, that don't follow the rules, you, you know? And, and I mean, God, even the, you hear people talk about it. It's like, count your carbs, you know, apply your meal ratio to this, that's going to work. That's so infrequently works. I mean, how could that be 
the only thing you say to people. Like, why would you not come along? And I, I mean, I talk about things that I was worried when I started talking about them that people would be bored by. Like, I really push glycemic index and load and understanding the impacts of different foods. People don't talk about that in diabetes. Um, basil, the least sexy thing in diabetes, right? I mean, if if there's sexy things in diabetes, you know, I'm talking about like the way people like consume their media. It's Dexcom, Omnipod. Those are like sexy diabetes devices. Like we all like know that that's true. Like people love them for some reason, right? Um, just the idea of them or the vision of them. One of the... Um, one of the most popular blog posts I've ever put up was just a picture of a Dexcom G5 before it came out. They just wanted to see it, you know? Um, and the point is, is that, is that talking about basil, not specifically very sexy. It's hard to keep people's opinions, um, or excuse me, keep people's focus on something like that when it doesn't sound exciting. Oh, my background insulin's important. The thing I shoot once a day, that setting in the pump that the doctor set up that I've never looked at before. How could any of that be important? It's the most important thing. And I defy you to go find 10 doctors who talk to you about it once after they set it up in your pump. You know? So. Well, and that, um, hmm, I think just even listening to your podcast gives permission to like make changes and so even before it was about a month in we got the omnipod and before we even had it i've heard enough people that you interviewed were like yeah we left and we just thought we know better and they made changes right away and so i just kind of adopted that philosophy just because i heard it work for so many other people like it's so every episode is so important because you get something different from it, but it just is mind blowing sometimes to me, like people's inability to decide to make a change or to try something different. I just can't, like, I can't imagine not doing that. Right. Uh, at our last appointment that we had with the endocrinologist, like when the first time we went, he's like, well, continue education. It's something we'll keep giving you. It'll be every time you come, you'll get more. And I thought we'd have to sit for hours every time after we're done with the endocrinologist. And so this was our third time, fourth time there. And he's like, okay, your A1C is good. What's uh, nothing else you can go. And I was like, so do I have future time with these diabetes educators or is like, what is like the process going forward? And he's like, well, if you have anything that comes up, then we'll address that. Whatever comes up at that time. And it, it's over now. Go home. Well, and I'm like, good. Cause I'd rather not sit in this room and I don't know, like I'd rather learn on my own terms and stuff like that. But I was just like, you know, like, I don't know what they could tell me right now that would be more helpful than what I've gained from listening for all these hours. I I, I was messaging with a, a lovely woman last night and I obviously won't um I won't identify them, but uh adult pregnant type one knows what they're doing, um, had gotten up to the point where I think the basil was like close to forty units a day, oh right? Through, through through a pump. And um they were using so much insulin that the um the doctor said, Why don't we abandon the pump and go back to MDI so you can, you know, make these larger injections while, while we're, you're going through all this and put the person back on MDI. And if I asked you to guess what they started her basal at, go ahead and guess. She was using 40 in the pump. Where did they start her basal at? Probably 30 or 20 or 10. It was 10. What? Oh no. Yeah. 
so uh, um so it was 10 and now she's experiencing these spikes at meals and then getting weird lows that she doesn't understand. The lows are clearly from overcompensation with mealtime insulin because she's now using way too much mealtime insulin and correction insulin because the, all the basil's gone. So I just like, you know, she's like, can you please look at this with me? And I, I'll tell you, I have 50 messages right now I haven't answered, but she said she was pregnant. I was like, okay, like, like I'll take a minute here, right? So I stopped, I read what she sent, I looked at her graph. I helped her. The first thing I said was, I'm not a doctor. You know that, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, so this is not advice. Like, I'm just going to talk this through with you and see what makes sense. So we chatted about it for a little while, back and forth. I don't know, 10, 15 times. And I and she's like, you're a genius. I'm like, am I? I, I don't think I am. You went from 40 units of basil to 10. I, I don't, this isn't like, but it was interesting. She never really thought about the basil as a collective. She thought about it as her hourly. Oh, you know oh, what I mean? He was going from pump to yeah, and so MDI. the, the mm-hmm. I I just was like take forty divided by twenty four. That's about what you were getting an hour. I mean, now you're getting a fraction. I mean, literally twenty five percent of it. Yeah, you know. So um, anyway, that's a person who knew what they were doing and just got bad information from a doctor, and they then they were like, I don't understand what's going on. But that's what happens to everybody. Is my point. You know, like it, it's a stark, it's a stark story here because forty to ten. But same thing, if your little kids getting point four and they should be getting point eight, that's fifty percent less than they need. And that stuff happens constantly. That's well, always happening to people. The other thing I find kind of interesting is like I have seen people post like their endocrinologist doesn't want them on a pump because their insulin needs aren't high enough. And I was really thankful that ours that a pump was a good solution because our traceba, a one unit of traceba was too much for the whole day, for the whole day. Like I was, because of your podcast, I like re-engineered our meal plan. Like what high fat foods, protein, high fat protein meals are we going to eat until her pancreas function changes again? And it was glorious because I didn't have to battle lows at night we couldn't go less than a unit. So then we just ate all this terrible food that was delicious for us. But I knew like, here's the way I'm going to solve this problem is by planning these meals. And I think we had 10 days of that. And then her pancreas function changed. And then a unit was enough again, that Mm -hmm. she wasn't going low without eating fatty foods. But I'm like, thank you for the information on this podcast. I'll just change my meal. (laughs) Like, this is easy enough. Like, here's my other solution I have for this. Katie, I don't think you gave yourself enough credit at the beginning of all this. I think you're doing really well, it sounds like. Where's oh, where's I, she at? What's her A1C right now? Um, let's see here. I wrote this down. Did you? Um, Go ahead. We started at 12.1 at diagnosis. Um, hmm. Then at our three-month, I think we were at 5.4. And then at her most recent one in February, we were at 5.1. Is there a honeymoon happening still? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's bonkers. Uh, We went on spring break vacation, and she was a solid 0.4 per hour for, I don't know, 10 days. We had a good run. And then two days before we left for vacation, what was appropriate to keep her steady throughout the day and night was 0.05. Yeah. 
That's on uh, Great. All right. Let's get on a plane and try that for the first time. <laughs> so more importantly than this A1C, how's your stability? Are you able to keep away the high spikes and the low lows? Oh, I was just, yeah, I think like that was, it has been, I am just fine with like, oh, this isn't working. We're doing something different and I don't wait for patterns. I just constantly change stuff. And let's see here, according to Clarity in the last 90 days, we've had 1% of very high and we've had less than 1% of very low. Wow. Good for you. Congratulations. You're off to a great start. Well, and I like, I hate, I hate the honeymoon. I hate that. I don't feel like I could leave them with a a smart person and say like, okay, this is their basal rate. This is what you do for carbs. You know, just kind of get it in the ballpark. We'll be good. I feel like this shift in things is so crazy that even I sometimes am like, I'm doing this. I'm going to give this, even though it's like, one time it was six times more than what was appropriate two days ago. And it kept her steady and is what she needed. And I'm like, I can't expect that of somebody else that hasn't lived with this for six months, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I hate the honeymoon and I'm like, I'm sure there's some upsides of it that I can't see until we're past it. And then we're like, gee, I didn't realize that was such a big benefit of the honeymoon. Oh, I'm sure there will be. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure this is going to happen to you over and over and over again for the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, did you consider testing your other child like through trial net? Or are you not thinking about it? Yeah, what'd you do? What'd you decide to do? We haven't decided yet. Um, my oldest child has more anxiety tendencies. And so I don't know if we'd, we'd have to decide if we find out and she does have markers that would we keep that to ourselves? Is that something? I don't know. I'm not against it. I just haven't taken action on that front yet. Does the anxiety come from the fact that when you walk outside bears and bald eagles and bison are trying to kill you or anything like that? Okay. There is a bald eagle in our neighborhood. I know it. So you're right on that. Go ahead. My husband was biking some trails in a nearby like wooded area and he did see like a mountain lion last spring. Mm-hmm. So there are those, but like we live in town, but yet we have like, we call them city deer. There's like 30 deer that'll hang out in our yard and like, you can like try get them off your yard. Cause they're eating your plants and stuff. And they just look at you like they don't care that people are around or they'll just we have that. Like, yeah, I have a migrate. I have a migration path right through my backyard in New Jersey, where deer just wander through and then eat all my bushes and keep going. Oh, um, it drives me. And we've had wild turkeys, so like we do have some of that, but bear, not really. <laughs> I do want to point out, though, I've never seen a bald eagle or a mountain lion outside. So I think my vibe is right here. You live in a hellscape, and you could be killed at any minute by wild animals. Is that correct? It's not that common (laughs) do you know anyone who's ever been mauled by an eagle no run over by a bison are bison still alive am i making something up they are super aggressive Uh and yes yeah they are still alive okay well i i don't know how'd you end up but they don't they don't like roam freely though they're all caged or they don't roam is probably the better word oh they they live on like preserves and things like that yeah, that's like one of the features of our town is you can go see the herd and feed them. and um, They won't run your car them. over. Well, you don't drive with them. like they. No, I understand. You can, You're on the outside of the fence. Yeah, we're not Yellowstone where they like <laughs> stop traffic and <laughs> you have to wait for them to leisurely walk past and such like that. You mean the park and I thought, I love that show. <laughs> 
okay, I agree. The show is great too. <laughs> you meant Yellowstone Park and I was like, I really love that show. I wonder when it's coming back. That was in my head. I watched 1883 too. I enjoyed that very much. I love uh, Westerns. We haven't watched 1883 yet, but uh, maybe. We'll see. I really enjoyed it. I'm just saying, there's my, uh, there's Scott's pick of the day, which is not, not a segment where I don't do anything like that. Um, all right. Well, is there anything we haven't talked about that we should have? Oh, I could talk all day long, but um, I don't know. It just it's Katie, crazy. you caught me I, on a slow day. Do you have one more thing you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I just I don't know. I just feel like I I feel really fortunate that we we're diagnosed when we were that we never managed our diabetes differently. So I never know when to think differently about any of it, mm-hmm. but. I just like to encourage those newly diagnosed people like it is going to suck. It's going to be hard. And it just straight up takes time before you can start to get things sorted out. And sometimes you swing and you miss greatly. Like uh, we got diagnosed about two or three weeks before school started. So then we had to do a transition into the school setting and there's no nurse at the school that my kids go to. And so um, at first, when I heard you texting about diabetes, I'm like, that just sounds so time consuming. And that sounds awful. And then I was like, Nope, Scott's right. Texting is definitely the way to go. And it has gained us so much freedom for her to go and do stuff with friends. Um, but texting with an eight year old who had never had technology before has its own set of challenges, of like <laughs> punctuation. <laughs> you can't follow what they're saying. Oh my gosh. Like one time she was just going low, running around at recess. And I was like, you need to eat some fruit snacks, like eat three of them. Now it, she types back now. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so proud of her. She must've had fruit snacks in her pocket or in her little sack or her little phone thing. I'm like, way to go. She, I love my daughter, but she meant she now with a nothing. question mark, right? She thought about now with a, she was like, now, like, should I do it now? Or with she, a question mark. Yeah. 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 Let me, yeah. let me tell you something about how Arden breaks my balls through a texting. Okay. I, I, and she's just doing it for fun. If I have a typo or if, you know, the, the phone changes a word or something like that, it could be a completely cogent sentence with one word out that anyone with half an IQ point could read and fill in the blank on it. And she'll respond, what? <laughs> but she's just messing with me. I know she is. <laughs> and so then I, then I re retype it and I fix the word and she goes, oh yeah, I just did that. And there's no, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know she's messing with me, Katie. I know she is. Um, well, I think- so then we've picked up on, I know she's at school and she can't respond within 20 seconds every time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm like, if you see it, just send me back a K and then I'll get on with my life and stop wondering if you're doing something about our problem. So, so then if she doesn't respond, like sometimes I give it five minutes, I'll start doing like her name. I'll send an E and then an M and then an M and then an A, and then she'll start to respond. So her thing she does back to me is she'll be like, Hey, somebody brought um, cupcakes for school lunch this year. Can I have one? And literally, like, it'll just come through my screen. And I know I'm a slow reader, but I'm still reading the first text. And then she's doing M's. <laughs> oh, M in three separate texts because I'm not responding to her fast enough. And I like, would. Uh, that be, is not how this works. <laughs> I would be lying if I said that's never happened to me. So she just, oh. she's like, oh, finally, I can, I can screw back with this guy. <laughs> <It's> like, 
Um, I will say this earlier when you said you didn't think texting was a good idea and then you realized it was. It, y'all should just listen to me. I'm usually right about this stuff. I and yeah. I'm I'm half teasing and I'm half want you to know that I don't just jump on the podcast willy nilly and start saying stuff. You, you know what I mean? Like I'm not. You know, I didn't I didn't think texting diabetes then get in front of this microphone and say it the first time. We were doing it for a year before I ever shared with anybody that I thought it was a valuable idea. Like I try very hard to make sure the things I say here are, you know, are at least tested through our family. Um, you know, but having said that, I get the you know, I've heard people say, I don't want a young kid to have a phone, or, you know, it feels I think that. I think it's possible that if you hear me talk about a number of things one time, you would think, God, that sounds like so much effort. But I think you said something earlier that I agree with completely. Um, and the idea is that just sort of like a little bit of effort now saves a lot of time later. Because specifically with listening to the show to begin with, I hear that from people sometimes. They say, there's so many episodes, I don't know where to start. I'm like, I don't care. Just start somewhere. Or here, you know, obviously we've... Mount Everest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, yeah. Oh, 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 an interview I did seven years ago with the mother of a woman who was on Mount Everest during a, an avalanche, and she had diabetes. The the person I was talking to didn't even have diabetes. She I know. Was... Obviously, the clear starting point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The absolute place to start for sure. You got that 100 percent right, Katie. But you know, we've uh, done you know put a lot of effort into making lists. I don't know if you're in Facebook, in the Facebook group right now, Isabel is helping me. She's terrific. She put like the series together on lists and stuff that people can share and keep. She's, she would say to me like, why have you never thought to do this? And I was like, I mean, I have, but I don't have time. You know, like I have to keep making the podcast. So I, a lot of the things that make sense to do, like I don't do a great job with social media. Wouldn't be that hard to do. Literally don't have enough time to do it. Um, you know, I'm going to record this show. I'm going to probably record eight hours of content this week, spread out over five episodes. And I'm going to edit five hours spread out over four episodes and put it back up for you and keep going. I just don't have time, you know? So, um, that's been wonderful having lists, but, but back to the original point, it's this idea of, I don't have time to learn about it. I'm too busy doing it. And, that makes sense sometimes, but when it comes to diabetes, it doesn't make sense. Like you can't afford not to find out the right way to do it because you'll spend your whole life torturing yourself, you know, having like half knowledge or not quite understanding. It's better to just carve out some time now, at least get some of the stuff like straight in your head. And then you can start making more purposeful decisions moving forward. And that, I think that's how eventually you get to the point where, it is 1130 in the morning. I haven't looked at Arden's blood sugar yet today. Like I've literally not, I've been up since seven o'clock. I have not looked at Arden's blood sugar today. And I, I don't, I can right now, but hold on a second. I'm definitely looking forward to loop <laughs> or the Omnipod yeah. five. Um, that'll be amazing. Right now. And Arden's also doing a lot more on her own right now. Um, and so all of that is just, you know, it's part of the growth process. You know, her blood sugar has been pretty good all day. Um, it, it, she headed off to school. Let's see what happened here. She headed off to school. I have to get up a graph where I can see back far enough. So overnight, she's like 105 overnight. No, I'm not overnight. Hold on a second. Overnight, she was, let's see, 99, 
six o'clock, 99, seven o'clock, 91. You can see where she woke up because she got a little feet on the floor, went from 94 to 125. In about an hour, she's back down under 100. Starts to drift around 9 o'clock, 120 or so. The algorithm's working hard to stop her, and she just bolused for food. So she bolused for food at like 135. So we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I don't know. Like it, it, it eventually my point is is that you'll you'll know so much about what's happening that it won't it won't encumber your entire existence. But it's no. it's always going to if you don't know what you're doing. I guess is yes. my point. I would agree with that. Yeah. So completely. Kinda... I think the other thing from listening to all the episodes that I gained, like before I listened to them, I was like, I'm gonna give my child um, the skills and the ability and that she'll be able to do this on her own before I learned or listened to things was what I thought was best for her. But after listening to you manage Arden and also to people who had diabetes, um, I realized what a gift it is for me not to expect that of her and that obviously she's going to deal with this the rest of her life. And so I will know that she's kind of getting up. I'm going to pre-bolus her breakfast so that she can just get up and eat it. Like she knows that we pre-bolus, she pre-boluses her lunch, but why do I need her to experience that pre-bolus for breakfast? Like, so I've taken on, if I'm around her, I will help her do stuff, which is the beautiful part about Omnipod. I don't have to go right next to her because there's a tube connected to her. You know, I am able to help manage her and lift this burden from her as long as she's in my household, because that is something that either she has to find a significant other that's willing to help her or something that she will just have to bear that total burden all the time. And I think like I get tired of it and I'm not even doing it all the time either. My husband is wonderful at helping me. And I'm like, why would I expect this of my kid now to do it all when between my husband and I, we're just like, it's still plenty to do. Um, and so I'm really glad that that listening to all these podcasts has shifted my way of thinking about that. And that was the last endocrinologist appointment. He was like, does she know what is going on? Do you have her do it all? And I'm like, I don't want her to do it all. I do have her, she makes pump settings, you know, like she enters stuff in her pump, every, everything that happens at school, she's taking care of. But I said, I don't see any reason for me not to just give her that help while she's at her house. And yeah. she hears my husband and I, I mean, we're only six months into it. So there's sometimes we're like, I don't know, what should we do with supper? How much should we do up front? So like, she still hears us talk about it. And she still understands like donuts. She's like, okay, let's start that pre bowls before we head to the store for donuts. And then she realizes like, oh, we're eating chicken and brown rice. We better start that now that we're eating. Like she, I think is gaining this because it is something that we talk about in our family. But I think that would be something I would also really missed out on by not listening to all these podcasts is like, what, why not take this burden away from her until she is older and do as much as you possibly can. Katie, would you do something for me? If you still like me in two years and I'm still making a podcast, would you come back on please? Oh, I'd love it. Okay. And I'm sorry to set it out so far in the future, but well, um, how's that any different than this appointment? No, just kidding. Well, no, that that is the truth right now. If you book today, you're booking in December. So that's April, May, June, July, August. Wait, hold on. April, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Yeah, you're nine months to get an appointment right now. And then... 
to, to record and then you don't go up for six. I guess you're making a good point. It takes about 15 months to get on the podcast if you, if so you send me an email today. are we going to schedule two years from now? Like, are we just going to be optimistic? Well, that- if I was you, <laughs> <laughs> next summer I'd make an appointment. Uh, but but the reason I'm saying that is you're, you've bought into how I do this. And you're right in the beginning. And I would love to hear back from you in a couple of years and see how it went. Like, seriously, like whether you come back on and be like, Scott, I stopped doing what you said a long time ago, or this is how we adapted it, or my God, it's still working. This is the greatest thing ever. Whatever the answer is, I'd like to know what it is. I don't even care what it is. I just want to know. I want to feel your trajectory a little bit. Well, good. Because, I mean, we are fresh, and I hear people have managed this a long time, and I know like burnout is totally possible. Like, it's even nice to know all the options that possibly could happen. Like, there's a strong likelihood that Emma at some point is just not going to care because she's a teenager. And I just know that, you know, I don't know, just the value. Like I really want to encourage everybody. You're defining diabetes, your pro tip series. Amazing. Great. But I think people underestimate the value to all the other episodes that are there too. Cause there's something from every single one of them, especially not being the diabetic person that, I think I can have more empathy. I can have a better idea, understanding, like why wouldn't you want to understand your yeah. child or somebody you love that's going through this better? You, you don't want to miss the the conversations, honestly. I mean, the 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 pointed management stuff. I I think is, listen, I'm I'm biased, but I think the pointed management stuff in this podcast is some of the best information available for people using insulin. Um, but I think the the conversations are where the deeper understanding comes from. Like, so I, I'm glad it struck you that way. I, I'm, I'm very happy that you like it. All right, yeah. Katie, this is it. You got to go. I'm having That's too much okay. fun talking to you. It's over now. Okay. Um, by the way, who knows two years from now, you might be like, so what happened, Scott, was um, my husband, I couldn't take him anymore. I, I tied a fish to his back and sent him outside and a bald eagle carried him away. <laughs> and that that's it. That's how we handled it. <laughs> I'm I'm the more outdoorsy person. Well, that's well, he'll have less of a chance then against the eagle attack. Like, I think it's, I don't know. Have you ever gone ice fishing before? <laughs> Hold on. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to laugh right into the microphone. No, God, no. It, <laughs> it, I, I, uh, I might cut off a, one of my toes before doing that. <laughs> oh. you, you're, 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 you're combining a bunch of stuff I don't like. Uh, the cold, okay, all uh, right, ice, yeah. uh, yep. water that I could fall into and then drown. Yeah. Um, being outside in the cold, I'm not good with that either. People drinking beer, also not good for me. Exactly, you don't have to drink beer to ice fish, but they'll all be drunk, and then who am I going to talk to? That's my biggest problem with drinking is that people lose the ability to have like deep conversations. I'm very boring. <laughs> I love talking about things. <laughs> Like at length, I don't, I don't, I like hearing what people think and, you know, I mean, it's already tough, Katie. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you put boys together in a group, basically the conversation gets boiled down to cars, boobs, and sports. Um, So then I would say, why don't you just hang out with more women? Well, because you guys don't talk about boobs enough. Then stop complaining about the people you hang out with. <laughs> like, I mean, not in the fun way. Problems, you don't Eric. talk about it in a fun way. I guess is what I'm. I guess is what I'm saying. But no, no. I mean, it. You know, I don't know. Ice fishing. That's what we were talking about. Oh God, 
No, okay. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't go ahead to make your point though. I'm sorry. I was going to say like, it'd be more likely that like he'd fall. Like A friend invited me to go spear fishing. Have you heard about this? Okay. You go out on the ice and you make a gigantic hole and then you throw a spear at the fish instead of using like a fishing line and lure. God. And so I'm like, there's a way bigger chance that I'll like die from slipping into uh like I feel like you're telling me a st- hole. I feel like you're telling me a story from three thousand BC right now. <laughs> no. I mean like you bring in a heater, it gets wire, but like it's I mean, we have experiences here, but I mean I think you're like an ice incident seems way more likely than a bear attack. Here. Okay. All right. I see. You say that right till the bear gets you. And then what are you going to do? Because there's nowhere to run. You're on ice. Your, your little feet will slip. Yeah. Well, yeah. It is crazy. <laughs> I honestly wish I had more experience in places like where you live. I think it would be uh, it would be lovely to to know more about stuff like that and, and to be able to see it. My, my favorite, absolute favorite. Uh, vacation I was ever on was at Yosemite and we stayed there for like a week and lived in a cabin and just went out in the park every day it it, it remains my favorite vacation so I might be foolish a little bit you know what I mean but I feel like the nice thing about you could come and experience winter for a week and Mm. then you can leave Mm. and then you can say like well that was neat and but then you don't have to live in it for like six months, you know? Okay, like, I'm going to tell you one last little story before I let you go, okay? And there's going to be a lot of bleeping here at the end. Um, I took this the garbage out recently. Uh, Sunday nights when my garbage goes down to the end of the street. I'm going to say it's about a 90-foot walk from my house, okay? It was in the 40s, the temperature, the 40s. And this is me walking down the, the driveway. And I don't mean to offend anybody who's listening. I have the can in my hand and I'm walking. And here's what I said. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> I'm just so cold. For 40? <laughs> I swear to God. I'm oh like, my gosh. I'm so cold. I'm so cold. I don't want to be cold. I hate being cold. I'm a baby. I don't want to be cold. So. Right now, we're like, if it is 40, like, we open up our windows. It's time for fresh air. Like, this oh my God. the point I'm making, Katie. I'm not cut out for it, is what I'm saying. I didn't so the, good. Th- this winter we had like a warmer day where it rained, which do you think warmer weather's good? But no, in winter you want it cold because it rained and then it froze like 20 below afterwards and I literally like our neighborhood isn't like a main neighborhood, so I could have put on like ice skates and skated like from one house to the next on the road. That's how like awful it can be. Again, you you might as well be the Flintstones to me. Okay, so it's enough. All right, we're done with this now. All right, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you're oh, welcome. Oh. Thank you for having me, and um, thank you for every single um, episode that you put up and all the back time. I don't think people realize how much time goes into the after after uh, the recordings and stuff like that. I appreciate that very much. All the time you've dedicated towards this is just amazing. Well, thank you. I want to be clear. I do get paid for the ads, but... Um, I, I, it is a lot of work. I, I work harder at this than I've ever had anything else in my life. So I think at this point now I'm up to about 65 hours a week on the podcast. And, um, and I, I really do love it actually. So, uh, I, I'm not complaining at all. I just want to be clear. I am being compensated. So, um, nobody needs to feel bad. Now, if you stop clicking on the links for the sponsors, and they go away, you're not getting this podcast anymore. Or uh, I got to figure out another way to pay for it one way or the other. But well, um, I'm saying like, just even go and invest in these companies, you know? 
Well, that doesn't help me as much, Katie, but I hear okay, what you're Okay, never saying. mind. Yeah, Don't yeah, invest yeah. in these wonderful companies. <laughs> just click on the ads. That's yes, it. Click on the ads. If, if you, Here's how I always put it to people, being serious. If you need it, I'd appreciate it if you used my link. I don't want you going and buying an insulin pump because you feel like you want to support the podcast. I mean, that would be kind of half insane. If you get there and you like an Omnipod, use my link. If you want a Dexcom, use my link. You know what I mean? You're getting a Hypopan, use my link. It's a huge help. It's advertising. It's super simple. If people use the links and the advertisers see this podcast as a valuable way to reach their customers, then next year they'll buy ads again and I will record every day as much as I can and bring you as much as I possibly can. And it gives me the autonomy to do things that you wouldn't see as a big deal. But like even like the Defining Thyroid series, as an example, um, that's not everybody listening to this podcast doesn't have a thyroid problem, but it's really important information. Uh, But I take a hit on downloads by putting up information that not everybody needs. That's not something I could do if the podcast wasn't supported so well. So I can kind of like, like right now I'm, I'm thinking about defining um, celiac next, which again will not cover everybody, but I still think is incredibly valuable. I'm thinking about how to get people on to talk about like supplements and supplementation that might be valuable, like vitamin D and things like that, that will help people. Um, That's not something everybody's going to jive with. But if you guys keep clicking on the links, then I get to keep kind of expanding like the encyclopedic nature of the podcast. And uh, I think that's really important, honestly. I think we need to get away from the same five. I mean, to go back an hour ago, the same five stories you see pop up on diabetes blogs and and really dig into some stuff, you know, and this is how you uh, this is how you get the autonomy to do that. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was nice of you to um, to be so kind about the show. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. First of all, let's thank Katie for coming on the show and having this great conversation. Thank you, Katie. And then we're going to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to go to touchbytype1.org. And of course, Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash. I appreciate you buying the advertising on the podcast today. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out about the Omnipod automated insulin delivery system that they call Omnipod 5. And to learn more about the Omnipod Dash. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.